Welcome to Beyond Synth. Please note, Beyond Synth is an explicit program and may contain inappropriate language. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Hey there, welcome to Beyond Synth. This is episode 151. We just took a break for a few weeks, but now we're back. And today on the show, I am talking to Sunglasses Kid. We haven't had a full chat in a long time. I think we did a little quick catch up in the Christmas episode, but uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to uh, chat with Edward. And of course, uh, we're talking about the album Graduation, which came out last year, but... If you go to the Sunglasses Kid Bandcamp uh, page, they are now, I think, placing orders for the vinyl version of Graduation, and it's a good album. You're going to hear lots of songs from it today because we play and talk about a bunch of them, and it should be a lot of fun. And uh, people seem to enjoy episode 150, and so I've got some... The wheels are turning in my head right now of how I can exploit this. That's the kind of guy I am. Uh, but we'll figure that out in the coming weeks. But thank you very much for tuning in to the show. Sorry we went on a break. Uh, that pff, should probably be the last break I take this year. And I will make it up to you with some bonus length episodes this summer sometime. So maybe there'll be a few uh, three-hour shows in there to make up for lost time. Anyway, in the meantime, let's... Uh, I said, like, time too many times. Uh, let's listen to a song, and we shall get the party started. This is a track from Immortan. And this dude just sent me a tape, or I think his record label, Cat Skull Records. And uh, I got a lovely tape in the mail of the album, and also a CD of some other band called... What does this say? Hold on. Kawaii Robot Shark. <laughs> It's a cool name. I haven't actually even gotten a chance to listen to it yet, but I'm holding onto the CD. So thank you very much. Um, you know, if you ever want to send me stuff, just get in contact with me and I will... Uh, maybe I should set up a P.O. box. People are just literally sending shit to my house. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, let's listen to this cool track. This is Wake Up Sheep, and in brackets, Oxide Modular Jam by Immortan.
And that was Immortan from the album Subcutaneous Circuits. And that track was called Wake Up Sheep, the Oxide Modular Jam. It's not called the Oxide Modular Jam. Oxide Modular Jam is in brackets. The bottom line is everything is all good. I want to tell you guys to check out Zencaster. You know the drill. Zencaster is recording software online for podcasters. You know, every time I record an interview with this thing, I just recorded one uh, yesterday, the guests are always like, hey, this Zencaster is like pretty cool. And I'm like, yes, I know. I use it to record uh, a lot of the interviews I do on this show. It just makes the process a whole lot easier. So if you record a podcast and you record interviews online with guests and stuff, check out Zencaster. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R dot com. And if you use the promo code Beyond Synth, you can get 20% off. And just trust me, try it out. You can try it for free. And if it's something that you think you would use and you'll see that it's actually a really cool program. Also, don't forget to check out Retro Revolutions. Go to YouTube and check out Retro Revolutions. Jared is a cool dude. Uh, He's been a great sponsor for Beyond Synth, and he does cool stuff by modding old electronics, old video game consoles, and does uh, neat things with them. And if you go to YouTube, you can check out the videos where he shows step-by-steps of what he's doing. He's like rewiring them and and doing cool things. I think the next project is some sort of Atari Lynx uh, mod thing he's doing, and you should go check it out so that's retro revolutions on youtube you can also check him out on twitter at retro faith games and on instagram at retro underscore revolutions so let's listen to another song and uh we will uh, enjoy it we'll tap our fingers and stuff tap our fingers is that what you say when you sit there and you tap the desk or do you say tap the desk do you say tap your fingers why is it that every week I feel like I'm losing my grip on the English language? <laughs> it's like I say a phrase that I think is a common phrase, and I'm like, is that the phrase? I don't know. All right, here is a cool track from Dream Shore from the album Resilience. This is Inner Strength.
And that was Inner Strength by Dream Shore. And that is a cool song. It makes me feel good. That was, of course, brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. And since we actually took a break for two weeks, we got a bunch of new ones. We got a new uh, donation of the beach. Beach. Donation of the beach. <laughs> Donation of the Beast from Luke BTD. Uh, that was May 24th. Did I? Maybe I read that one before. Uh, thanks, dude. Uh, Deep upgraded his support from 1 to 5. Lucas Ceballos upgraded his support to 10 from... Uh, he was a Donation of the Beast guy as well. And then we got a new pledge from Kemsin Games. K-E-M-S-Y-N Games. And new donor Chris Williams. Whoa! Chris Williams has donated a very generous amount. Uh, thank you, dude. And also, he's going to be helping out the show uh, in ways I will discuss sometime. But uh, thank you very much for your support. Hampus ML has upgraded his support to 15. And then we got new donor Kyle Droll. What else? That's it. That's good. That's good. And I'm obviously I'll read your names again when I get to the actual part, but I just like to upfront acknowledge uh, the new patrons just so I don't forget. You're all very cool people for supporting the show, and of course, that's what keeps this thing going. I know it's sort of an ironic thing to say after I take a 2-week break, but um I mean it. From the bottom of my heart. So how about this? I think we're going to take a listener call today. And maybe we'll do... Do you want to hear it? Oh, you know what? I don't have a junk email for you, but I do have a telemarketer who called me that I recorded. So maybe I'll just play the junk email folder music anyways. Here we go. Here we go. So it's not exactly junk email, but uh, here is me on the phone with a telemarketer who I got a surprising response from. Hello. Hello. Hi, sir. My name is John, and I'm calling you from technical department of regarding your computer, okay? The technical department regarding my computer, okay? Yeah, actually, your computer is sending error and warning notification whenever you are going online or browse over the internet. Because, sir, it's downloading some unsecured computer without your knowledge. And they are simply corrupting software part of your computer. That's the reason we are giving you this checkup call for your okay? Alrighty. So, can you please go ahead and turn on your computer? I will show you the problems. And you can check it by yourself what is happening to your computer, okay? Alright, my computer's on. It's on now? Okay. All your icons on your computer screen, right? Yep. Yeah, and the the left inside corner there is a CTRL key do you see that mm-hmm and next to the CTRL key which key do you see shift shift I'm, I'm telling you, right next to the CTRL yeah sorry see uh, I only have one arm so I have a, very, a custom keyboard designed for me so shift is next to my control key I'm telling you next to the CTRL key which key do you see no okay I only have one arm so I have a special keyboard that's designed specifically for for me and shift is next to control. Oh really? Motherfucker. 
Yeah, that <laughs> that actually happened. <laughs> so the, the challenge is now to you guys. Uh, how quickly do you think you can get a fucking telemarketer to say "motherfucker" and then hang up on you? <laughs> anyway, let's uh, listen to a track, uh, and we'll fucking keep this show going, man. This is Otto Vampire, and I've said this many times. I know it could be Otto Vampire, but it is without an e on the end. When I see that, I think Vampire. So I want to call him Otto Vampire. And this was uh, from the album The Streets Are Mine. This track is called The Dream Machine.
And that was The Dream Machine by Otto Vampire from the album The Streets Are Mine. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. In the $25 Club, there's Clint Dowling, Christian James, Mike Shima, Joey and Kendra, Gregorio Franco, and Chris Dance. And of course, with the 2288, it's Jacob Wick. And with the 1987, it is Frank Skinnicky. And now with the 15, it is Hampus ML, who has upgraded his support. And with the 1111, it's the lovely Chris Aliyah Lane. And now, let's go to uh, a listener call. All right, well, who's this on the line, man? This is Jeff Block. Hello, Jeff Block. How's it going? It's going extremely well. It's a lot of uh, awesome, interesting things going on. And how about you? I'm talking to an awesome, interesting guy, <laughs> Jeff Block. That's what I'm doing right now. I know you because your thumbnail is the Tron head. Absolutely. <laughs> That's all I know about Jeff Block. I use that thing everywhere in all of my uh, social media. That's omnipresent on every single one of my accounts is that Tron avatar. <laughs> Do you like Tron? It's ridiculous, but I like it anyway. <laughs> I was watching some scenes from it the other day. I, I put it on Netflix, and I find the score obnoxious in that film. Yeah. Like, some of it's okay, and then some of it is like, it's like they're playing the wrong notes or something. Like, you know there's scenes where it's like an action scene, and it's like... And it's just... it. It's bad, like it, it frustrates me, but I don't hate the movie. It's just a little weird. Yeah, some of the um, musical tones, are, yeah, are really, really bad. Uh, <laughs> uh, I actually have a Tron arcade cabinet, an actual Tron arcade game. Point up, it's the only arcade game I have. And when I, when the movie came out and the arcade game came out, I was just, I loved it. And uh, was a life mission to get one, and I have one. <laughs> oh, that's exciting. So, like, it's a real one? Yeah, it's a real one. That's why um, I should send you some images or something like that. You can send me whatever you like. Right. <laughs> so, what does what is, what is Jeff Block do? Well, I'm a graphic designer. In fact, just here of late, I've been uh, making some intros for some uh, pretty decent profile YouTube channels. Okay, cool. A couple of them, uh, Fathering Autism is the first one, and another one is... A really fun one is Jacob the Carpetbagger. So you're doing animation then, like title animation, like yes. that kind of stuff? Well, it's actually, uh, uh, they're animations that, um, uh, they're very rudimentary, and um, but they're really cute, <laughs> and the guys love them. And uh, you have to just see them to, to appreciate them. But uh, I'm just now getting started on some an- on uh, expanding into some basic di- digital animation and everything. Is that what you uh, went to school for? No, I went to school primarily for graphics and printing, but this is just other things I'm dabbling into. I'm just always wanting to do, do something creative. Uh, participate in your Patreon, and the two of them also were on Patreon. And uh, it was just another way to contribute. I can contribute financially, but uh, also I'm actually more valuable with uh, contributing with graphics and such. Do you, uh, do you know any, like, uh, oil barons? Like wealthy oil men? <laughs> I'm not, uh, if I do, they're not telling me that they are. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's 2018. Maybe they're wealthy oil women. Either way, I need a uh, an angel investor. And so I'm always looking. Out, I'm on the lookout for sort of uh, people who have relatives who are like uh, oil barons. Well, there is a bit of that. Or I guess around, I guess you're talking about North Texas. I guess, uh, yeah, there is a bit of that around. But um... Where are you? 
Well, I live in uh, the DFW area, Dallas-Fort Worth. Dallas-Fort Worth, the DFW area. What does that mean, Fort Worth? Is that just the name of a place, or is there a fort there? There was a fort that actually was a definitive point at which what they call where the West begun. Back in the Old West, that's, that's what Fort Worth really got its place in the map, was that's where all the cattle drives brought all that cattle from out there in the Wild West to uh, Fort Worth to the uh, the stockyards, and they were processed to feed everybody back wheat back east. And it literally is, if you look at the history and the geography of North America, Fort Worth is, is that's what its namesake is, is where the, the West began. Well, that's exciting. So what else goes on there, man? What, what do you do? So you're doing little animation things, you're running around uh, fooling with a bunch of ladies... Are you a ladies' man? <laughs> no, married father. Uh, probably, I would be putting, willing to put money on the fact you're probably your oldest listener. <laughs> Wait, well, okay, hold, hold on, hold on. Let me guess. You were excited when the Tron Arcade game came out. <laughs> so that's clue number one. But I don't remember. Okay, so when was Tron? Tron was 80... I think it's 82. Okay, so, 82. If you were, so if you were excited for a game at 82... But, I mean, you could you could have been like six and been excited about an arcade game. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, say my work out loud as if I was doing a math problem. So let's say you are six. I'm born in '81 and I'm 36, and I will be 37. Fuck! You forgot. You're, you're beginning to forget your age. Yeah, I guess it hits about 36, doesn't it? Ah, Christ! <laughs> yeah. So okay. So I th- I'll be 37 this year. So I'll just say 37. So 37 plus. That's 42. All right. You are 45. No, no. I've got to, I'm ahead of that a bit. I'll be in, I'll be 50 in November. <laughs> oh, wow. Maybe you are my oldest listener. I, I mean, I, I do have some mid-40s people. I feel as though my the stupidity of my show, I, I, don't, I don't understand really who and why it reaches and what they get out of it. There's the two different 80s. There's the eight, there was the real 80s and there's the new 80s. And then you're covering the new 80s. When it comes to my entry point to the interest in synthwave, it's just because, I mean, I loved the music of the 80s. It's uh, important in so many different ways. And of course, I, my attraction was with the, the synthesizer all aspects of the synthesizer sound. It, of course, that began in my childhood with, we're talking about the very beginning with the Gary Wright edge of things. And um, by the time the mid 80s was hitting, it was, uh, I was right in. I just loved it. Well, I loved it too, man. I mean, I was young, but I guess I wouldn't be so nostalgic if I, if I didn't like it. But hey, man, look, we got to listen to some music. All right. And then we'll, uh, we'll keep chatting. So here is a lovely song from Precog from the album Paradolia, which I think is that thing where you recognize patterns, like when you look at the clouds and you see like a face in the cloud. Anyway, this is a precog with the track Voices.
And that was Voices by Precog from the album Paradolia. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. We got Fraser Davidson, Kemsen Games. That's new. Thanks, Kemsen Games. Uh, I'll look you up. Do you make games? Maybe that sounds like a stupid question, but uh, who knows, man? Maybe you make some cool stuff. I'll go look. And thank you very much for supporting Beyond Scent. And then there's Lucas Ceballos, who has upgraded his support. And then there's Justin Armour, the Patch Bay. Don't forget to check out the Patch Bay, guys. Uh, You can buy things that'll help you with your music production there. So go check it out. And there's Blake Peterson, Ken Giroux, Martin Larby, Hexenwork, Digital Dreams, Power Loader, and Trevor Resnick. Thank you very much for supporting Beyond Synth. And now we're back. Uh, We're taking a call here from listeners of the show. And right now we are talking to Mr. Jeff Block, who was just talking about living through the 80s and and loving it, but uh, did you, I mean, did you get a chance to watch like many shows back then? Like live shows? My wife and I, we never really went to any of the concerts whenever it was going on. We just just broke down in the sticks near Houston, Hmm. and we just couldn't participate in any of that, but what's so funny is the older we got, it's like, you know what, we're losing our chance to see them late, and we went to go see, of all bands, Kraftwerk. (laughs) (laughs) And I left, we have a 16-year-old daughter, I regretted not taking her, and boy, we, we went on an absolute 80s binge, and the next concert, we went to go see Duran Duran, and we drug her along, and it was, it, everything changed from that point on. She had, like, this complete awakening. A few months ago, we went to go see Depeche Mode. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh, she was completely come out of herself. She went up on went up to the stage in the show, and she even got a set list. She insisted listens to uh, your podcast when, uh, to and from picking her up from school. And I know that she, she's, she's sitting right here, and I know that she's gonna. She would be happy to to rub your face in it. That that you got a set list of Depeche Mode, knowing how much you like them. Yeah, Depeche Mode is my favorite '80s group. Uh, I I like them a lot. I've never seen them live though. I've watched video, and Dave Gone does some interesting dancing. <laughs> he, the, the way he moves, he kind of like kind of. It's not quite like Mick Jagger. The way Mick Jagger sort of moves around like a chicken, like he does the. But yes. Dave Gunn likes to stick his ass out. You know, like he does this thing where he sort of like I walks around the stage. With that, because I was wondering how much was going to happen on stage. You know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's definitely what we're going. We we have gone to see, I think, probably like ten different '80s seminal bands in the past year. To maintain that sort of that '80s vibe, do you, do you invest in a big bag of cocaine? To you know, to uh... <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, the, to me the music was quite enough from the. <laughs> you want to be as authentic as possible, is what I am saying. Which means you need the good stuff. You don't need that stuff that's. Uh, cut with aspirin that they were handing out, you know, in the 90s and the 2000s. You need that pure Colombian cocaine. Well, I'm sure Dave God did enough for both of us. <laughs> you know, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I would have never dreamt in 10,000 years that my daughter would have fallen really into what was such a similar sound that I was into. She's actually even picked up music. She's taking bass lessons. She even picked up a bit of synth herself. In fact, she actually has the same Roland synthesizer that Dana Jean Phoenix had during your premiere episode of Beyond Synth. So my daughter's even picking up, actually trying to play. She's really, a lot of her interest is centered around a lot of 
you know, old 80s, if you know what I mean, not uh, what I would describe as current synth wave. It's weird how it's all coming back around with the revisiting of it and the reemergence with synth wave, what's currently going on. It feels very much like just where the 80s left off. Now it seems like that there is a continuum into that the 90s, so to speak, would have been if it didn't just, if the 90s didn't get in the freaking way. <laughs> it just felt like with the 90s, it felt very much like it was a forced change that basically they wanted to just not sound like the 80s anymore and they had nothing better to replace it with because it was the grunge scene it just did not appeal to me at all basically there felt like I don't know if it was record label producer or something like that, that they were just trying so hard to distance themselves from synthesizers. Yeah, I guess I guess that's right. When you think about it, that w- the, the scene is almost defined by the distancing. Part of the whole ethic of that scene was, uh, we are not this, you know? Oh, mm-hmm. if, if they're going to be all bright colors and glam metal and stuff, we're going to go the opposite way and we're going to be all raggedy and our guitars are going to sound dirty. Because when I look back at the 90s now, man, like, I mean, that's when I went to school. Like, I was pretty much, you know, in high school and... And late public school and stuff in, in, in the 90s and it, what a dumb time like just everyone like I hate the way people looked in the 90s when I look back on it like these big like ill-fitting flannel shirts and jeans and it, it seems like people look better now like they take care of themselves more but I don't know I was talking to somebody about that and I don't, I don't really know the reason I think it's possible because with YouTube girls for example can like see like makeup tutorials and stuff online and they can like kind of put themselves together but like when I went to school the girls were all wearing these big baggy sweaters you know like there was no form to them now every single girl like that walks down the street is wearing these fucking like lululemon these like black yoga pant things and i'm like what like why wasn't this happening when i was in school like they're all walking around and you can just clearly see their form and maybe this is an awkward conversation to have with a guy who's got a 16 year old daughter but... <laughs> i mean this is stuff that i'm gonna have to worry about when 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 my daughter gets older and so i so do you, do you have any advice man as a dad who's got a teen oh. daughter man uh, uh, be ready for everything and anything. Uh, just step back and and uh, be ready to just get the hell out of the way. <laughs> All right, I can do that. I can do that as long as I have an, an office. Because right now my office is always in the corner of the main room. So if I have a place where I can hide, I'm think I'm good. I think. I don't know. Have you ever had to beat up any boys? Uh, no, no, I haven't. Um, do you want to? <laughs> I feel like it should be like a rite of passage of every dad to to intimidate at least one boy. You know, like when a boy comes over. Yeah, I'm, looking, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I feel a little ripped off. By now, I thought I'd be beating up at least one. Yeah, you know, that's, that, that's, that's part of the deal, man. Like, hey, dad, this is fucking Carl. And you're like, hey, Carl, get the fuck out of here. You think you're good enough for my daughter? Fuck you. <laughs> and on that note, let <laughs> Let's listen to a, a song, man. So, uh, what do I got in my old playlist here? Here's a cool one from AWITW from the album Still 80s. And this track is called 80s Dreamin'. Thank you. 
And that was 80s Dreamin' by A-W-I-T-W from the album Still 80s. And that is a lot of 80s. And that, of course, was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. There's Poly Digital, Elias Garnier, Murat, Playmaker Media, Ashley Keegan, Greg Smith, fucking Slunks, Willow, Winfield, and Colin Bennett. Thank you very much for supporting Beyond Synth. If you want to support the show like these lovely people, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or you can check out beyondsynth.com. You can also see the Synthwave Artist Database that has over 500 entries of artists and all their links and stuff, and there's a donate button right right on that page there, so it's uh, super easy. And today, we are talking on the phone with, uh, with a listener of Beyond Synth, Mr. Jeff Block, and we're talking about raising kids and and that sort of thing so what's going on right now like with that with like parenting and stuff you know what what do you got on your plate well right now all i'm thinking about is driving lessons and we're all going out for uh she's got her permit and we're just doing our uh, three times a week hour driver in the neighborhood and Mm. and uh, i'm I'm getting criticized for how i'm criticizing and (laughs) that's the cycle right now is just driving lessons well the irony of this whole situation is that your daughter can drive better than i can because i don't drive at all oh yes (laughs) I played that episode to her. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's hard to explain. I'm a very particular guy. Some may say slightly eccentric. And I know this sounds weird to say, but I just have no interest in driving. And when I say that to people, it's like, it's the same response I have when I find out somebody doesn't drink. Mm -hmm. It's totally fine if people don't want to drink. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But for some reason, whenever someone says it, I'm always surprised. And I always want to know the reason. Like, I'm I'm like, there has to be a reason, right? It's one of those things that you just accept that, well, everybody has a drink once in a while or has drank once in their life, alcohol. And then whenever you meet somebody that just hasn't, it's always like, all right, what's up with that? Which is a weird thing to say because my wife has never drank. But Well, I'm jealous that you have managed that your lifestyle is not necessary for you to drive. I don't know how I could get get away with that. And it's like one of the lessons, the first lesson of teaching my daughter is that a car or it takes away more freedom than it provides. Yeah, the cost. Like, I mean, just all the fucking insurance and all that shit. And and everyone's going to get their car bumped into at some point. Like, I don't think I know a single person that has not, that has had a completely seamless record. Even like the best drivers I know, then someone bumped into their car while it was parked or something. Like, you don't get away. I bet you there's not a single fucking car in the universe that has ever gone like its whole life without something happening to it. So what are your what are your plans with your children concerning driving it? What do you have a, an expectation or a game plan or priorities? What do you even have lined up for whenever your kids get to that age or what are you going to do? As Jeff Block told me, I'm just going to step back and walk away. <laughs> I'm just going to walk away. I'm going to hide and they can fucking figure it out themselves. Oh, that's stupid bastard. I have good advice. <laughs> I need to take my own advice. Yeah. <laughs> No, um... I mean, my wife's a good driver, so she'll handle all that. Oh, okay. Well, duh. Yeah, okay. I don't know what advice I'm going to... I guess I'll teach them how to edit video. I don't no, okay. Know. <laughs> I don't know what... I was kind of... I was just uh, automatically assumed your wife didn't drive either. I don't know where I... Where oh, no, I no. Someone's got to drive. Okay. <laughs> well, cool, man. Well, listen. I want to thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. Uh, I appreciate it. It means a lot to me, people who uh, support the show. Well, your, your work is appreciated. Being basically the uh, presenter for Synthwave in my book, being a little busy with day to life it's uh, know that there's a great scene out there that's it's very easy for it to slip you by almost like 
the first 80s where there's so much great music happening at once that you don't find out about some of it until three years later sort of thing that it's great to have your show doing your thing to basically round up everything make sure that people like me don't miss out on something that's basically the way I look at it also is keeping in touch with the scene sort of thing you know in a way that I don't have really the time to do myself you know it's just your podcast is fantastic and I know that you're appreciated by a lot of people well I like to hear compliments they make me feel good <laughs> <laughs> I also like saying things that people have absolutely no response to. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things to do is to just say a random sentence and then just leave people dumbfounded of just like they don't understand. Uh, it, it's like it's like I have no skill in conversation. It's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing hosting a conversation show. I sh- maybe I shouldn't be allowed. I don't know. Well, this is my first podcast interview, so how am I doing? Am I <laughs> am I being too difficult to uh, feed responses to? Or no, you got stuff to say. That's all that matters awesome but listen dude i want you to have a lovely dallas fort worth day thank you and uh you have a great canada day i'm enjoying some crown right now and that's that's from canada isn't it so i'm enjoying some honorable canada drink uh in, uh, in honor of this interview well that's awesome man i'm drinking some carbonated water in honor of no one okay <laughs> thanks for supporting the show uh keep on trucking uh, do <laughs> do do animations and all that stuff. Thanks for calling, and uh, keep on being cool, man. Take care, Andy. All right, and that was uh, Jeff Block, a listener of the show. I think what I'm doing is I'm, I might just play one call a show instead of doing like a full-on listener call-in show. No reason, just a creative decision on my part. But um, you know, so people are always welcome to message me if they want to uh, if they want to call into the show. You can always write to beyondsynth@gmail.com. Uh, it is usually open to Patreon supporters first. That's usually who I prioritize. But I think I've got a new fun idea. I'm going to run it by you. Uh, we're going to listen to another song. Uh, we'll be talking to Sunglasses Kid in just a little bit, and I've got an idea in my head, and we'll see if people like my idea. So let's listen to. Salvation with a cool song called Don't Look Back.
And that was Don't Look Back by Salvation. And that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters. There's the Rosconian with the 777. And Skywolf with the 777. And Hugh Jones with the 669. And now it's time for the donation of the beast. Ha! This is the donation. These are all the people who donate $6.66 a month. There's the new one, Luke BTD. Thank you very much for your support, dude, for supporting Beyond Synth in the most evil way possible. And then there's Ross Pentland, Moose Nux, Rob Dyson, Street Cleaner, Orlando, Rodriguez Naif, Till Wild, Straylight, Carm, Love Machines from IX. Did we establish what that is? Well, anyways, uh, and who else? Then there's, and then there, <laughs> and then there's Renton Brax, and rounding it out with the six seventeen, it's Polar Wildcat Studios. Okay, so here's my idea. First off, if you want to donate to Beyond Synth, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/BeyondSynth. But my idea is this. People seem to really enjoy episode 150. Now, it was full of music, so that was, you know, people like to listen to music. But um, it was also an episode where we had the Beyond Synth family. So if you haven't heard it, it was Marco and uh, Florence and Mike Mendoza, a.k.a. Hoo-Ha, who does all the jingles on Beyond Synth. And he's also an awesome artist. And so is Florence. She's Glitbiter. Sorry, I always feel bad when I say something nice about somebody and forget to say something about somebody else. So I'm thinking, you know, right now there is a Patreon goal. If we ever hit a uh, thousand in a month, and I just feel like if we ever reach that goal, um, I've already said on the Patreon that there will be an extra episode of Beyond Synth the month, and I just thought maybe that extra episode could be what I would call family shows in quotes, just like episode one fifty. So there would be you know on top of the episodes every month of Beyond Synth with uh, you know with guests and artists and stuff like that, there could be a a one off family show that's sort of in the same format where we do trivia and play games and, you know, catch up with the the extended Beyond Synth universe. And also, I had another idea because I thought the trivia section was kind of fun and I'm thinking of a way to incorporate the audience a bit more into Beyond Synth. So obviously, you know, we're doing these listener calls and that's fun too. People who listen to the show, you know, can come on and, and chat and stuff. And I'm thinking maybe there's a way to do some of these things on the show, like incorporate the audience, maybe have like a trivia game thing. Maybe that's something I could open up for patrons as well. You guys let me know because it might be a fun thing that, you know, once patrons reach a certain donation or something, I'll do like a trivia show with a bunch of actual like listeners of the show as the contestants. And then maybe the winner gets like a fucking Beyond Synth mug or something like I'm not I'm just spitballing here we're gonna kick this thing into high gear I know we I've made 150 episodes of Beyond Synth but I think it's time to stop fucking around and it's time to I mean I have been taking the show seriously and and really trying to put it out on a regular basis and reach out to lots of cool new guests and stuff and you'll be hearing some of those interviews in the next few weeks but I just think it would be cool to involve the listeners you guys and gals uh, and be part of the show a bit more than than maybe you guys are now and I think maybe a trivia game aspect of the show might be fun for people you know like I get you know three of you on the phone at the same time and then we like do trivia games and stuff and 
Uh, obviously, if we reach some Patreon goals, it'd be cool to have the family shows uh, like we did with episode 150 and maybe even maybe topics suggested by the listeners. That might be fun, like for the family shows. And, you know, you guys just write in and say, what do you guys want to talk about this, this and this? And then we'll talk about it on the show. Like, I just want to find more ways to incorporate you guys into the show, because obviously you're the ones who are supporting it and keeping it going. And so definitely you guys should have a bigger role in in maybe shaping where the show goes because i feel like we're kicking into high gear now all right so we're gonna talk to sunglasses kid let's listen to another song and then we will go to that let me know man in the comments you know write to beyondsynth at gmail.com message me on twitter and just let me know some some ideas you guys think would be fun you know all right here's a track from Volt Age, and this is called Future Past Extended Rework. That's in brackets.
That was Voltage uh, with the song Future Past, and then in brackets, Extended Rework. So I wonder what that rework was. Maybe one of these days I'll just have him on the show and ask him. So look, that was brought to you by my lovely Patreon supporters in the $5 Club. Leading the charge is Tim Brawl with five twenty, And then there's Kevin Nogelney. <laughs> Fuck you. And, sorry, the reason why I'm laughing is because these are names from the Japanese baseball game that, anyway, it's a reference from weeks ago. Uh, then there's Kyle Droll. That's a new donor. Thanks, buddy, for your support. You're a cool guy. I want you to know, and I want your family to know. And if they ever tell you, hey, man, you're not cool, Kyle Droll, you'll be like, yeah, I am, you fucks. I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. It is Kyle, right? Because it could be Drawl. Maybe it's Kyle Drawl or Drawl. And then there's Pip, Pip Dig, Pip, Pip Dig. Oh, it's Phil Clothier. You fucking changed your name on me, man. I get tricked so easily when I, (laughs) when that happens, by the way. And then there's Erasmus. Okay. Whoa. How do I say this name? Erasmus Papafakis? Pup. (laughs) That's a hard name to say without sounding uh, awful. Erasmus Papaf. P-A-P-A-F-A-K-I-S. I'm just going to call you Erasmus until you let me know how to say that last part. Uh, But thank you for your support, dude. You're cool. You and Kyle. Go tell your families. I'm cool, damn it. I have had enough of your shit. I'm fucking doing it, man. I'm Erasmus. And then there's Deep, who upgraded his support. I'm assuming Deep is a guy. And then there's Loki, Mikey C, David Angrews, Angrews, 
David Andrews, the Englishman in Texas, and Tomas Shimanek, Andrew Tukas, Rachel Buchelman, Sergio Matai, Binkley, Sven Bomanis, City Bat, Christopher Albert, Daniel Dexius, Star Nomad, Michelle Vasquez, Tim Ross, you know what, I'm just going to read all the $5 donors, Neon Knox, Damian Rudies, Lee McConnell, Zychorax, Marco Cranendonk, Corey Valentine, Timothy Pierce, Starlight Fisher, Barons of Santa Carla, Tristan Waits, Dana Jean Phoenix, Stu M, Night Raptor, Simon Norberg, Matthew Lister, Bobby B, Roman, Joe and Lando, and new donor Gus Velasek. Was that new last week? Did you upgrade your support? God, I gotta read this chart better. And then there's Kai. Thank you very much for supporting Beyond Synth, everybody. It means a lot to me. It really does. And your support is what keeps this show going. And uh, if we can reach some of those Patreon goals, it can go indefinitely until you all die. All right, let's go now to my conversation with Sunglasses Kid. And don't forget, you can go to Sunglasses Kid's Bandcamp and check out the vinyl, which I I think is shipping sometime in the fall and uh yeah here's me and sunglasses kid all righty and i'm here with sunglasses kid edward how's it going man it's good you've caught me mid mouth full of biscuits yeah <laughs> i'm sure i could turn that into a horrible joke but uh how you been man we we haven't you haven't been on the show in a while no <laughs> I have not. <laughs> well, that's it for today. <laughs> Thanks. And we'll see you again next year. <laughs> what do you what have you been up to, man? I can't think when the last time I spoke to you was. In real life or on the show? On the show, let's say. On the show? When was the last time? You said you hadn't spoken to me since I made an album a year ago. So at least a year yeah but the thing was we didn't talk about graduation we didn't because the thing was we were going to there was going to be another show idea where we were going to talk about it and we never did mm-hmm. and so really hold on let me look into my uh, beyond synth folder here mp3s all right i'm looking through looking through sunglasses kid looking for your name i'm looking for your name i'm looking for your name hold on dude it's been a long time. Has it? Yeah, I'm looking... We shouldn't make this podcast as long as... <laughs> People are like, yeah, okay, we've established I haven't been on for a while. Should we get on with whatever we're doing? Let's talk about that. Let's look at an album this year old. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to do. Hey, I don't give a shit, especially when you're dealing in, in a genre that's, uh, that banks on nostalgia. To me, I don't think it's... It matters. But we're getting so meta, getting nostalgic for a nostalgia album. You know, when that's like part of the fundamental aspect of the music, it's like, does it matter if you hear it now or next year if it's rooted in a nostalgic feeling? I mean, like the whole point is you should be able to pick it up at any time and it will will conjure the uh, the magic. Yeah, al- although you can sort of, even now with Synthwave, like however many years in we are from it, let's say it all started 2011, 2012. You can hear the difference in like production techniques and you can hear the difference in sort of genre, genre sort of traits and styles that people have started using. And especially in the early years, it was being sort of still people finding their way and inventing the genre. But now it's sort of settled into certain sort of tropes and you've got second, third generation people who are listening to the first generation and copying them or taking inspiration from them. Yeah. For want of a better word. So you've got that more established sound that you listen to it and go, that was made recently, not five years ago when someone was kind of inventing that for the first time that's a very good point 
<laughs> I'm trying to think. Of, I've, got, I've got nothing to add. It's like well said. I guess. I guess like other other comparison like genres. It must be like take another like famous genre like dubstep. I believe people are still making dubstep in 2018. I bet it sounds really different from dubstep from like five years ago or whatever. You know what I really like about dubstep is that uh, when it goes like yeah. Well, anyway, the point is today we're gonna we're gonna use the graduation album as a sort of framework here because we never talked about it and it was a great album. Thank you. You did a good job. We're gonna listen to lots of songs from it. The one you did with SJ Bravo is like one of my favorite tracks. I've listened to that one a lot. Thank you. And I've I've talked to him about it. Like he was on the show, and I feel like maybe that's why I think there was like little bits and pieces here and there where I think I've talked to you about it, but then when I think back, I'm like, oh yeah, we never really had an official conversation. Uh, it was all sort of bits and pieces, but that's going to be the fucking order of the day, man. Okay. Yeah. So what's uh, what else? I'm I'm trying to find a way of asking what's been going on without making it sound too broad of a question. How's life? Well, so so basically, in the last between graduation and now, I got invited to do a lot of gigs, like live gigs, which I'd never done before. I don't think so. I'm trying to backtrack it about what time things happened just before graduation came out i'd written a lot of tracks actually a long time ago like a lot of them are finished in like 2015 2016 i had more tracks than i than i needed and i was trying to work out what was going to make it onto the album what wasn't and i had lots of ideas and abandoned things and then mucked about and then wasted a lot of time and then late 2016 i played night arcade live with um uh, the Night Arcade people. (laughs) (laughs) The Night Arcade people, you know who I mean. The very first of its kind, this club night that was put on in Amsterdam. Uh, College played, Time Cop played, and I was there. And that was when I first played live tracks from my album that were still to be mastered. So the very first people who ever heard the graduation album was a bunch of random people in Amsterdam who most of them didn't know who I was. Although some people did know who I was. And then the next year, I played like a bunch of gigs including some i kind of had a hand in organizing and some i was invited to do and there was it was a cool year for live gigs especially in in the uk there was the retro future fest and there was the outland which is coming back this year and retro future fest come back this year so yeah i think we've talked about this we had a little update didn't we We had a little catch-up update and we talked about this we must have we have but yes i played live and that's really what i've been doing did for like last year and i i wrote some bits and pieces and i've been writing pieces right now and i'm doing the same stupid thing of telling people i've got an album coming out in the summer and then I'm like, it's not going to be ready in the summer. But then a lot of that is because I'm a lot of times I've finished the track or I've got it as far as I can get it before I need someone to sing on it. And I've got, I think, at least three or four artists right now at various stages with tracks that I've written that they're now singing on, including SJ Bravo. Good, good, good. He's, do- he's, he's doing something. And a really cool guy called Jay Diggs, he's do- we're doing a new Jack Swing track together that um, Rhyme Time's going to be rapping on, hopefully, as well. Mm. So there's kind of like, I'm getting some new people and some of the old gang back, but it's back to the the usual kind of wait make something send it to someone and then wait for a long time and keep poking them every two weeks going hey how's it going yeah 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 with the track well let's uh we're gonna start diving into the album here we're gonna listen to the track yeah. so we're gonna listen to the title track now which is uh, graduation by sunglasses kid <laughs>
And that was Graduation by Sunglasses Kid. And I'm here with Sunglasses Kid right now. Mm -mm. And that's a cool track. We should also point out, because I don't think we've ever discussed this openly, that um, I worked on a little thing for this. You did. The opening scene, we did a little skit. We did, yeah. That was fun, because the production of that was funny, because I lost the original files, I remember, and I had to, like, recreate it, which pissed me off. (laughs) One of those times I formatted my computer and, like, that file got lost. I'm like, no way. That's right. But it ended up being better. Yeah, it sounded okay. Mm. But I remember my first draft was very different. I pitched down my voice. <laughs> you sounded and like so I some sounded... ghetto prince for us. Yeah, like, yeah. this sort of kid come today. <laughs> yeah, like... No one will ever, no one will ever know how... But uh, I was like, no, no, I want it to be more dweeby than that. But uh... Well, because my intention at first was to disguise my voice as much as possible. Like, I didn't want it yeah. to sound like me. <laughs> and most of the voices I do sound like me. And so I didn't want to do that. And so I think, well, if I pitch it down, if I kind of do like he's like some hip principal. <laughs> but then I, I hadn't... When you, you came up with a name... <laughs> Principal Dicklin, and I had no, I had completely not realised that the um, that the principal in Back to the Future is called Strickland, which is obviously what you're referencing. Right. But I was kind of like, oh, that's a little bit too obvious. But I love, yeah, <laughs> no, it made, it that's one of my. Often, yeah. <laughs> even though, even though, like, I don't. Um, I mean, Back to the Future Part One is the special film, and I enjoy the sequels, but they're no, they don't touch the first one, as far as I'm yeah. concerned, like for being special. But Part Two does have one of my favorite funny quotable lines. Yeah, and one of them I always loved is when when he goes to the alternate 1980s where Biff is the the you know wh- whatever owns the casino, and then Strickland, the principal, is like he's got like this shotgun and he's like ready for people just to drive by and shoot at his house. <laughs> yeah, and then great. when the fucking kids like drive by and it's like hey Strickland and then I just start fucking <laughs> shooting at him with a machine gun <laughs> I love him in um I love that actor in uh he, he's he's in Top Gun isn't he that actor he's the bald kind of general dude at the beginning who's like you two characters I can't believe I'm having to say this I'm gonna have to send you guys up against the best you two are gonna tub gun <laughs> and he goes and then he re- unnecessarily says gentleman twice he goes and gentlemen Good luck, gentlemen. <laughs> he's got that. He, he's got that le- famous line: "Your ego's writing checks, your body can't cash." I always think he sounds a little bit like Harvey Keitel. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I've seen him in some other stuff, but it's like it's hard for me to pull Top Gun references. I've only actually ever watched Top Gun once. It's it's slightly overrated. Top Gun. I prefer Days of Thunder. <laughs> Days of Thunder is much better. When I watched it, and I had guys telling me like, "Oh, this movie's awesome. This movie's awesome." And I watched, I'm like, all I could focus on was all the homoeroticism of the film, and I was just like, I never thought about it at the time, but then I. I think that's just all 80s movies. Yeah, but that one, they, come on. Like, Cruz's name in, in Days of Thunder is Cole Trickle. <laughs> <laughs> Which is... That's just... Like, anyway, that's if that's not a weird porn star name. Yeah. <laughs> so, talk to Let's me... Let's talk about the music. Yeah, so, I was thinking maybe uh, on this episode we would uh, talk a bit of behind-the-scenes kind of like uh, production yeah. talk kind of style stuff. And So, I was curious... How you go about starting a track? Like for you, what is the thing that kicks off a track for you in your head? I think it's what I've done before. So now, like making a track today, I'm sort of reaching for a kind of palette of sounds that I've kind of honed down. So one of the things I decided to do quite soon on in was sort of restrict what I was doing and not try and mess about with too many options so and also some some of it sort of i i've got a sort of genre that i've i'm working within like a sort of feeling or whatever so i suppose initially you're like making the decision about what is the kind of feeling 
comfortable atmosphere. So do I feel like writing a ballad, something upbeat, something fast, something slow, whatever like that? It can be anything, really. It could be like a melody. Like yesterday, I was washing up, and through the wall, the kids next door, there's a kid playing, was playing his guitar. Mm-hmm. He's like a teenager. He's just started making music, and he's like through the wall. He's like, you know, wealthy family next door, big house. And I'm listening to him playing, and I started thinking, God, I didn't realize I could hear, I can hear them through the walls. Mm-hmm. And I just started singing like, <laughs> I can hear you through the walls, babe. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Yeah. And I just thought that would make like a kind of cool 80s lyric or something. And I just started going, I can hear you through the walls. And so sometimes, like, it might be like, it starts as a joke in my head, like a sort of little melody like that. If you start with a melody, that often I think can produce some of the best tracks because it's sort of guiding you more than, than if you start anywhere else. Right. A lot of people say, like, they start with the drums, and I sometimes do, and I, and I, I have done for a long time. But I think the thing about drums and, and everything, they can be a distraction from the what I call like the hard graft which is getting chord progression and getting that basic architecture down so initially I think in sort of emotional tones so I'm like I want to make something funky and mid-tempo and I might like listen to a 80s pop song and go oh, I want to make something like that right I'm going to sort of try and do something a bit like that without completely ripping it off and more lately I've been trying to spend more time working out bass lines interesting bass lines and finding that then once you've got a bass line kind of written out that kind of dictates what the chord structure is going to be the chords are kind of now implied by the bass line so you can't you have to kind of find them and so that's sort of guiding you if you know what I mean you're a melody first man is that uh... most of the time I actually sit down and write with a piano and spend loads of time just playing block chords if I've said to myself okay this is going to be an actual song like this is going to be something I hope someone's going to sing on I'm just going to structure it like a song so I'm obeying like the kind of conventional song structuring so I'll come up with two or three chords verse maybe a chord variation before the chorus and then a third variation for the chorus so it's usually the pattern would be like one two three one being the verse two being the what some people call pre-chorus i think mm-hmm. and then the chorus so i try and make it do something different every few bars but the track we've just listened to graduation the opening track of the album is also it's an instrumentals and i and i knew it was going to be an instrumental so i approached it slightly differently and it's got a key change in there i think at the end but that for me was also i kind of wanted it to be like a statement of everything that i've done everything i'd made so far musically and i wanted it to be have that kind of synthwave bass line i wanted it to kind of have that sentimental romantic kind of soundtracky cliche tone that you've come to know from what I do in the past so I, was trying, I wanted to kind of say like everything with that track I was like yeah. don't worry I'm not, I've not forgotten what I, the kind of music I used to make but sorry that you're going to have to edit the fuck out of that I don't know what I just said <laughs> well how about this let's listen to another track I knew, I, knew, I knew what I had in my head I was like I, I could easily open with a big number with a singer or something like that but the other part of me wanted to say this album is still going to contain soundtracky cliched 80s romantic kind of sweet tunes as well mm-hmm. so I want to kind of set that tone right from the beginning so that track was acting more like a kind of extension of the opening scene a kind of right here we go settle down settle in and then the album will begin after this kind of thing well let's settle in right now and listen to another cool track which I dug man this is Can't Hide by Sunglasses Kid Amaranda Carey (laughs) (laughs) perfect
And that was Can't Hide by Sunglasses Kid featuring Miranda Carey. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a cool song. Thank you. When you were talking before and you're saying like you sit down at a piano to sort of like form these things. So what to you is like the, the spine of the track? Like what's the thing that you're you're laying everything down on? That track I wrote in FL Studio, the or what used to be called Free Loops, but it's F, it was FL Studio. And then I exported all the audio out and mixed it. You know that's actually because of the serial? Like why they had to change the name? Is it? Okay. What, like a copyright claim? Yeah, because like for the longest time when it was called Fruity Loops, yeah. Now they, they officially call it FL Studio because of like a claim with the serial Fruity Loops. I always assumed it was like them trying to be taken more seriously as a, as like a, they sort of decided to rebrand as a kind of we want to be a, taken seriously yeah. against other competitors like Ableton and stuff. And I think FL was always seen as a little bit more of a toy. I've never really like read into too much of the actual like invention of the program, but like clearly... Fruity Loops was a play on the serial Fruit Loops. I mean, like that is what it is. Because I think I went, I when I went and visited like the original website or something, and it actually had like a little disclaimer. I don't know if it still does now, but it did at the time, where it was like this site has been changed from a copyright claim from fucking Nabisco or whatever the fuck company like owns mm-hmm. uh, uh, the Fruit Loops or Fruity Loops or yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Go on. So, so, so yeah, so, so this, <laughs> <laughs> that's my input. The spine of the track. If if the spine of that track, I think I'm like if I I'm like thinking back now to when I wrote that. The first thing I wrote was the bass line, and I came up with a gaga boom, 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 like that. And then I think I might have just put down like a basic kick and snare just to give it some sort of pulse whilst I was working that out and then I think from that I worked out the chords that the really the bass was it that that might have been one of my first attempts at writing the bass first before the chords but then then I get to this stage where I then when I go into a chord variation then I don't know what the bass is doing and then I'm writing the chords first and changing and writing the bass afterwards but that was that was it there I, I was thinking like if I nail the really interesting bass line the rest will kind of flow from that and I hear this so much in other songs no no detriment to other composers because it's it's very hard to like write something that's interesting for a long time but I could have easily just gone boom 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 and just looped that for like three minutes hmm. and it wouldn't have been it would have bored people coming up with a really great hook or a really great bass line or anything like that is only the beginning of the, the story it's not you haven't you can sit back and go oh yeah I've just come up with a great hook or a great riff or whatever then you have to say okay right now how am I going to progress this and not like waste this this really great thing I've just come up with because I've heard so many songs around the opening I'm like wow this is great and then you skip a minute in and it's doing the same thing and it's doing the same thing and just and it's boring yeah it's tricky for me because I get sent a lot of music and so uh, I hope this doesn't hurt anyone's feelings but sometimes I have to sort of skip through a track yeah. uh, you know when I'm first going through an album like I just got to go okay like and you know you know your your own taste pretty well and so for me like I know if I like a song pretty quickly yeah like al- almost within like the first second I'm just like okay and then I skip through it to make sure like does this song maintain because sometimes artists will do like a weird thing that starts out cool and then the last two minutes is like distorted noise and like oh okay like this one went off the rails so I do that all the time and I skip through and there is a lot of tracks where I sometimes you even skip through so precisely without meaning to that you don't even notice you're skipping yeah that's the thing I think that's my like kind of test with a song is like obviously you have that kind of gut reaction when you hear something you just know you you like it or not but then there's also some tracks they're kind of like um, I'm reading the book Blink by Malcolm Gladwell at the moment he talks about Pepsi versus Coke and he says Pepsi the whole Pepsi challenge that was 
popular in the 80s that made Coke like very worried for a while. They said the reason Pepsi was beating Coke in these taste challenges they were doing under control conditions is because Pepsi was is better on like a sip test because Pepsi's slightly sweeter. Mm. So if you just have a sip of one and a sip of other, the other, Pepsi has this kind of slight wow factor immediately. But if you drink too much of it, it starts to get a bit much and then you're like, ugh. And so I think it's a bit like that with like music. You can kind of, you hear something, you're like, fucking yeah, oh, this is amazing. And then another minute in, you're like, they're not going to do anything different, are they? This is this is it. I've heard the track now. And, and then and then you get bored. There have been some songs, though, that for me, if it's a really cool loop, I overlook it. Like, I've played some songs on the show where, where I'm just like, you know what? It's just this for seven minutes, but I don't care because <laughs> it's an awesome... I should yeah. caveat that with, unless there's something about the, the, na- the looping nature of it being satisfying because I'm not saying there aren't loop based songs that don't work really well but I think it, it all depends on the kind of the type of track you're you're doing oh yeah no you, you don't need to defend everything you said is correct there's no need to backtrack on your end like oh, no 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 but I'm saying like with with like can't hide it's structured like a song I'm not this isn't me saying I think the song's amazing or anything I'm not I don't mean to sound arrogant or anything I'm just saying that Miranda's wouldn't have known what to do melodically if I hadn't varied it up at various places so the, the verse then the pre-chorus then the, the chorus if if I hadn't varied it although I've got to say actually Can't Hide's quite repetitive I've got a feeling that the chorus chord sequence is the same as the verse chord sequence so she she actually um did a really good job of making it sound more more interesting than it perhaps is she's a really good songwriter you like you can't overlook her contribution to it because she really is 50% of the track she's she's a great top line writer she writes brilliant lyrics she's got an a really good voice and she she also always sort of knows what I'm after she's like she doesn't always give me what exactly what I'm expecting but it's always like she always knows what it is I'm doing and does it exactly how I kind of want it I, I still like to have her on the show man I feel like I asked and then something happened well she's but... hard to get hold of <laughs> uh, yeah but um, um how much I'm curious then how much shaping do you do once you receive so Miranda's vocals come back yep. you put him into the song then how much do you do afterwards once you actually hear I mean I'm sure it's different song by song but like yeah that yeah yeah it is yeah that, that is interesting because I I don't always make it clear to people how much I may or may not add it in or take out afterwards but sometimes if I give it over to somebody somebody might be like can I have it without all those leads in it because it's I'm finding it a bit busy and I'm can't I'm struggling to sing along with it so I sometimes might like actually send over a version that hasn't got certain elements in it because often I think singers can get distracted by those sounds and either they take them as as a cue to being oh that's the melody I should be singing and they start singing along with the what is actually meant to be a counter melody or something like that right with Can't Hide I've got a feeling I didn't do a huge amount more like I think all the elements were kind of in place but sometimes like it might be that something the singer does melodically I might then go oh I might add in a little melodic reference now they've established this little melody like that little twinkle that follows like when someone's like I'm out the door and then you add like a little like afterwards yeah yeah exactly yeah like you might now then try and sort of join it up and make it sort of because I guess this is an unusual way of working because what I do find difficult is you just think this would be so quick and easy if I was literally in the same room with someone face to face of going 
not quite like that a bit maybe a bit more like this or or just like la 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 like you can sing it yeah whereas when you're working remotely it's really tough to describe the most basic thing just people can get confused about literally I've had singers just they come in too soon or they're, they're coming in like halfway through something so so they're not coming on where I intended to be at the beginning of the, the track but that can have sometimes interesting results and you're like oh they're, they're totally singing over the wrong bit right but that now kind of works so I might then reshape the track to kind of make that you know work or something so I, I had that just recently I'm writing something with Iverson so um, Josh sang not where I intended it mm. and I then chopped around his vocal and said no no that should be coming in here and this is like a pre-chorus bit you've 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 misunderstood what's what I'm intending the structure of the track to be uh, and I kind of edited his vocal and then he went oh okay and then he re-recorded it as I had sort of edited it and ended up writing additional lyrics because suddenly there was an area he didn't realise he should have been singing on or shouldn't have been singing on. It's hard, hard to explain, but that, that sort of thing happens. No, no, it totally makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's very easy to just misunderstand the structure of a track because you think it's obvious, but somebody else just misunderstands and thinks, oh, that's the start or that's the bit I should be coming in on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's uh, here, let's listen to some more. Yeah. This was another cool track that I dug. This was uh, featuring Phaserland, and this track is Venice Beach by Sunglasses Kid.
And that was Venice Beach by Sunglasses Kid featuring Phaser Lad. And, uh, and that's a fun one. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's fun working with Phaserland. I haven't, haven't spoken to him for a long time now. He's again very super talented and again someone who I can speak in the most sort of esoteric language to and be like, just kind of wash it out with tropical chords here and, and I'm funky strap picking, you know what I mean, on that bit and then fucking some mad ass solo over that section and he knows what I mean and that's, that's literally what I say to him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like a bed of like tropical wash here and then funky strap Madonna picking there and then a super cool solo over that moment there. Yeah. But because again, again that was cause me and Phaserland had written like at least one or two tracks together before. Mm-hmm doing that famously the um famously yeah. <laughs> famously <laughs> famously like you're all talking about yeah. famously to me yeah. and him <laughs> we did a track that was used on a, a sunglasses commercial i think that was the first thing we did together yeah he's just very good and um very pleased we made the track together so before when we were talking about sort of uh programs like you're saying you were doing the stems uh, like you used fl studio a lot but then you switched is your new setup like you're using multiple programs it is i'm using cubase and I use FL Studio. Not if you're a pro, if you're a producer, they're not. I'm not using them rewired. I'm not. They're not speaking to each other. I started making music on on FL Studio years ago, and, and I made a lot of graduation on FL Studio, and then moved it over to Cubase to mix. And also, when I had vocals, I found editing audio and doing those kind of tasks. I found it easier in, in Cubase. But then I also composed some tracks from scratch in Cubase. And Cubase is great for doing... So, so the one thing that FL Studio has still not done on this latest update is it doesn't have a thing to easily transpose all MIDI up and down by one or two tones. So you literally have to go to every pattern, select it all, and literally move all the notes up or down. Right. Which is a nightmare. You could just, you only have to miss one pattern and you can suddenly have something out of time. It just takes could take, you know, 15 or 10 minutes to do. Mm. Is on Cubase just select all transpose all up to transpose all up whatever and that when you're working with a singer can be a request you can get because a singer can just go it's a little bit out of my range can you transpose it down a couple of tones and then sing within that it's in their range I can sing within now I know um, I, I, I remember I used to do that with Fruity Loops but I think that you have you have a knob that just does the entire track which means it would also like transpose your drum beats down as well And no there's like a bizarre thing that's like a master pitch that acts more like a record player so it can pitch everything down but it has more the effect of slowing things down which is, is different from transposing which is transposing is in a way is changing the pitch but you're physically moving all the notes down so it's not tuning I think what you're talking about is more would have more the effect of pitching audio up or down like slowing down or speeding up a record player but, right, right, right. And, and also so it's being able to quickly transpose is also something I do a lot songwriting and I know it's something Iverson do because I talked to, to them about that we were, we were talking about transposing and I said what I do quite often is when I'm getting really fatigued with a track that I'm writing I'm getting really bored of it I'll transpose the whole thing up or down a few semitones because it totally changes the atmosphere of the track and so it can help keep something feeling fresh and often transposing something up you can hear 
things going on with the bass that if the bass is very low it can be harder to hear what's going on so if you transpose everything up it can sometimes make it clearer if you've got melodic or harmonic problems going on with the track where you're like oh actually hang on there's something clashing down in the bottom end that I hadn't noticed but now it's all three semitones higher mm. it's suddenly really obvious there's some harmonic or melodic problem or whatever so FL Studio there is something about it because it was the program I know so well that's so simple for just getting a track started and getting an idea down and being able to just cycle through all these drum sounds that I have you know I have little individual sample hits and things like that if it was like this was like a professional project and someone said you've got a month and it's for a commercial or something I think I'd probably do it in Cubase because I think I'd be anticipating requests and changes that would be quicker and and I can do more precisely in Cubase but when it comes to like songwriting and I've just suddenly got a really good idea that's when I'm opening up an FL studio and just going just just drag drag and drop like three drum samples on quickly make like that and just try out this oh yeah okay that does work or whatever when you're actually like at your keyboard playing stuff is there any difference when you just hit record and record like a live instrumentation into Fruity Loops or Cubase is one of them better do you notice like a sound quality difference I was convinced for ages that I thought that Cubase might be better but now I'm not convinced there isn't something I seem to get a better sound out of FL Studio and it's weird because I'm sure there's loads of geeky forums where people are debating the sound quality out of different audio workstations but there's something where i can more quickly make something sound good in fl studio i don't know what it is i think there's just there's just these differences in kind of ease of use so there's some things about like the way the piano roll midi data is displayed in fl some things about that seem cleaner simpler and easier to edit and some things seem frustratingly basic about it i can only say it's like the difference between kind of i've got an idea for a painting and i'm just going to quickly do a sketch just chuck me a scrap of paper and a pencil before I forget this uh, this thing mm-hmm. versus I want to do something really precise and I know exactly what I'm going to do and, and actually for this I need to make sure that I'm going to be able to be doing this to picture because Cubase you can score to picture as well so like the Friday the 13th commercial that I did at very under very tight deadline I did it in Cubase because I just I needed everything to work you must have come on a Christmas special <laughs> I did we, we talked about it yeah oh, okay, I just remember fuck. we talked about it then so we did do like a little catch up we did talk a bit about my having done some live gigs as I was talking about live gigging I thought we've We've talked about this. Let's listen to another track, and then we'll fucking uh, we'll keep yeah. going. So this is another one I dug. I always dig anytime my own is featured on anything, yeah, yeah. and uh, this track is called "Boys Will Be Boys" by Sunglasses Kid, featuring my own. <laughs>
And that was Boys Will Be Boys uh, featuring Myrone uh, by Sunglasses Kid. And I'm here with Sunglasses Kid right now. And um, yeah, you having a good day? I'm good, yeah. Yeah. I think that title was um, that was slightly inspired by Top Gun. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a song in Top Gun with the word boys in it? With spelled with a Z? <laughs> I don't know. So 80s, isn't it? Boys. Oh, yeah. Did you watch Star Wars? <laughs> how do we get, how are we going from boys will be boys to Star Wars? I think in every interview I'm doing for the rest of the thing, I'm just doing an obligatory <laughs> me complaining about Star Wars for about okay. 30 seconds. What the new the new ones? Yeah. I've seen Force Awakens and Rogue One. But you, you didn't see um, Last Jedi? No, no, it looked shit. It is shit. Okay, let's move on. Move on. <laughs> Well, I've, lately I've been really interested. I'll, I'll keep this brief because I don't even know when this episode's going to air. So, it's, you know, okay. at first, you know, when that movie came out, I thought it was more like a 50 50 thing because that's the way that people were trying to spin it. Yeah. You know, where it's just like, hey, some people like it. Some people don't. It's real. You know, it's divisive and whatever. And the more people I talk to, like in person, like I can tell you right now, of like my group of friends, whenever I go to, you know, gatherings and stuff and talk about it, mm. I know no one that likes it. Like no one in person has looked me in the eye and say, I like the movie. Does there's something I didn't trust about it. The the initially that there were all these reviews, all these everyone was saying it was shit, and then there were all these reviews saying it was amazing, and then there seemed to be this very odd aggressive reaction to anyone who who said it wasn't suggested it wasn't any good, and anyone who said it wasn't any good was being sort of accused of being sexist or racist or whatever is yes because the only reason you mustn't like this film is because of something to do with some political agenda or whatever. I personally to take myself to be even more objective about it I just can't stand a lot of films now for me it's not anything political or anything it is literally an aesthetic thing I mm. fucking hate the look of most films they look awful this digital shit it looks terrible I hate it I'm like looking at films now through gritted teeth going my this just looks so grim with like all the digital color correction and stuff like everything just seems a little too crisp and clean all the time like that's it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and it just doesn't look f- what I call filmic it just mm. doesn't whenever I look back on like an older movie I'm just like I just watch the same movies all the time I'm just like every week I watch The Fugitive <laughs> and I'm just like it's fucking amazing it looks brilliant it yeah. looks great it's like this is what a movie should look like and someone was like I saw like something on YouTube the other day it was like 10 special effects in films that now look really dated number 8 The Fugitive when Harrison Ford jumped off the dam in The Fugitive we had the awful moment when we was subjected to a really fake dummy <laughs> and I was just like it still looks about a thousand times better than CGI shit someone makes now because Harrison Ford's actually standing on the edge of a dam with a, probably no safety cord because he's so hard <laughs> <laughs> no it's true man because honestly I mean I love uh, like James Bond movies yeah you know as cheesy and silly as they are the stunts are fucking real and so like when you're exactly. watching you're watching obviously a stunt man run on a bunch of alligator heads and yes I know the alligators are tied down under the water so they can't jump up but there's still a guy running on a bunch of alligator heads I, I was watching I was watching last night or the night before I was watching Demolition Man mm-hmm. the effects in that film is still fucking really good and there's a bit at the beginning where it's set in like it's hilariously set in like 1993 or 6 or something that's mm-hmm. like the future they blow up they blow up a warehouse and I swear they actually blow it up and it's a most massive explosion mm-hmm. and it's a super cool effect but that whole film's got amazing effects in it and I look at that and I'm like why does Demolition Man look better and and 
And so I can't... I do sometimes worry, taking it back to music. I do think... Because I make everything inside a computer and everything's pretty much virtual. And I think my ear isn't as attuned to audio, ironically, as it is to the aesthetic of film. And I just think, do people who grew up with, like, everything being analogue, do they listen to a song that's digital and have the same reaction I'm having to when I'm seeing a trailer for the new Star Wars film? I'm just like, it looks grim. And the irony of this, too, is because, you know, obviously there's this contingent of people, you know, in this scene and stuff where, you know, they use analogue synthesizers versus digital and there's that whole thing. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I, I did a show with um, with Ogre and Dallas Campbell recently and Dallas brought up a good point that I never thought of. Is like, even though Dallas, you know, he's got this big room room with all these fucking keyboards like he just like collects them like a warehouse he's like you know i still i'm still recording them into the computer like the mixing is still happening digitally yeah so really how negligible is the difference if you're using an analog synthesizer but you're still mixing in a digital fucking workstation and the filters you're adding are digital that's a good point you've got those like memes you see there's like ten thousand pound mixing desk 40,000 pound SSL converters of this and like MP3 on some kid's tinny headphones yeah yeah <laughs> people ask me all the time do I use like like analog stuff and real stuff and vintage things and I'm like no because I live in London and I literally haven't got the room to put it in my flat because I don't have a proper studio although I'm moving so I'm, I'm getting myself a little space but it still won't be big enough to have like that and I think also for me I'd treat it a bit like buying a vintage car or something I'm like except now you're dealing with vintage vintage problems like the key's broken or the disc doesn't work or what have you and and for me it's just like anything that's a barrier to making music or gets in the way I try and avoid and so for someone like Dallas Campbell him working with like analog gear that may be where he derives his inspiration from and so for him it's as much about the inspiration he gets from physically handling that gear that helps him get to making a song for me I have an idea now I don't have time to fire up some vintage thing yeah, that needs to literally warm up and, and fucking be tuned yeah and then and then something breaks I, I, I can imagine a reality where I'd be like on my hands and knees going why the fuck have you fucking broken <laughs> I've spent two fucking thousand quid on this fucking keyboard well, well Dallas uh, <laughs> Like he, he, he like says, he like, yeah, like he's got a dude. Like so, every time one of his keyboards breaks, he's lucky enough to have some guy who will repair it. But he has to like send it to Florida, and so like every time his keyboard yeah. breaks, it's like you know, hundred bucks shipping just to fucking send the keyboard and get it back. And but yeah. I don't have the money all the time for that. Yeah, but um, anything that's like if something's helping you, great. If something's working against you get rid of it so it's, it's whatever works for you isn't yeah. it I think though what, what I found interesting about Dallas's point was just that you know with all the people in the scene who have this argument about you know the, the merits of digital versus analog but then at the end of the day everyone's mixing digitally everyone who asks me am I using analog equipment is tacitly admitting they can't tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, here, let's let's listen to some fucking virtual music right now, man. <laughs> this is uh, Without You, featuring J.J. Mest by Sunglasses Kid.
And that was Sunglasses Kid with the track Without You featuring JJ Mist. And I'm here with that track I wrote. Sorry. That's okay. I'm here with that track. How's it going, buddy? Anyway, go on. That track I wrote on Cubase. Okay. And I wrote it, I wrote it ages ago and I wrote it for Nina. Mm. And when I first met Nina, I wrote it for her and she wasn't quite feeling it. And actually they, there was a songwriter involved who guy who went away, guy called Luke. He's a really good songwriter. Did you assassinate him when you, when, when I hear like, <laughs> but he went away. <laughs> like, he had to go away for a long time. He wrote a really good song, which I stole and then I killed him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he went away. <laughs> and, that, and that song today is Without You. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> so there is, there is actually an existence somewhere on a hard drive or cloud somewhere, a song with a guy singing on it, a very different song that was would have been something that would have maybe been something for Nina. And she wasn't quite feeling it. It wasn't quite her, her vibe and, and wasn't quite the right tone for her. So that kind of went away. And I had that sitting as an instrumental and completely forgot about it. And then I was going back through tracks that I'd sort of started and then abandoned going, All right, is there anything that I started and gave up on for whatever reason that maybe now fits back into this album because I need another two or three tracks or whatever. And then I, I looked, listened back to that and went, oh yeah, that was cool. And why did I, I abandoned it because it was going to be something and then it wasn't. I can't remember how JJ came to, how I came, how I found her or how she found me, but, you know, all online. Mm. And I sent her right over and she, she did what she did. And it was really good. And that's the end of that story. It's, it's funny how when you, when you have a, when you, when you have a track and different people can just totally change it based on like the vocals they bring or whatever. Because I know, you know, Josh, right? Like Josh Gallagher. Oh, yeah, yeah. So remind the listeners at home what his artist name is, because he does do stuff. Yes. Uh, which one should I remind them of? Because he's done like 10. He keeps changing. I think it was when he was Midnight Air, if I'm not mistaken. That's he, right, so, yeah. So he sent me this thing, and for fun, I sang on it, and I ruined it for him. Like, he still tells me that. He's just like, you ruined it because I sang on this song, a very catchy melody, but it was about business ladies blouses or whatever you know like it was like and you know how i do like i always sing songs about titties as a joke because those are the only words i can say and you sing it like you're in depeche mode yes and then the second and he's like why can't you just do that but then sing serious lyrics i'm like i can't like i'm not a confident i'm not a good singer and the only time i can sing with any confidence is if it's a joke or ironic yeah and so and whenever i chat with him he's always just like you ruined it because now i can only hear that song with your melody but it's tainted with these horrible lyrics you are putting your trust in other people and it's it's difficult because if you write the worst thing can be if you write a really good you've written a really good song then you hand it over to a singer and they do they make it really bad vice versa people can you can write something that's a bit subpar and the singer makes it sound a lot better than it was have you ever had an instance though where like a singer gave you something back and it was like uh, i don't know about this i have yeah i have and it hasn't worked and i've had to say it's not working and and there's been times where i've ended up abandoning the whole track because then i've felt you feel bad if it comes out with another singer yeah, yeah i feel bad yeah i feel i feel a little bit like bad and and sometimes also like the whole experience could then make you sort of fall of fall out of love with the track so there's loads of stuff i've got sitting around that, that has ended up shelved for various reasons that have had the potential to be really good and then i, I kind of got annoyed with it for whatever reason or it didn't work out or so i can think of one or two definite examples in the past of where i'd handed something to someone and what they gave me back i was like it's just not feeling it and other times 
it's kind of good, but the recording hasn't been up to the standard. Right. So sometimes it's you think this is worth salvaging, and sometimes you're like, and this is all over the place. And it makes me realise, when I hear it done badly, it makes me realise, going back to Miranda Carey, how how well she does it because when she does it it sounds so clear and succinct and I think again that's I mean that's songwriting and recording again it's everyone's doing about three or four different disciplines each aren't they it's like you're asking a singer to also be a songwriter to also be a recorder and because Miranda's married to an engineer she's got someone helping her record the vocals so she's not having to fuck around with that stuff yeah but whenever whenever Miranda sends me stems and same with Leon Leon Monroe who's I did a load of tracks with back when I first started the early days yeah they're both super competent songwriters and the moment they start singing you just you understand where they're going what they're doing it's like the opening scene of a really good movie where you're just like okay we're safe this film's gonna be fucking wicked yeah it's like it's like when the opening starts and like Robert De Niro's in the car and then just seconds before it blows up there's an obvious cut to a dummy (laughs) like that you're talking about casino Mm -hmm. (laughs) or like the other day I took two mates of mine we all went and saw or a documentary and we're all, we'd all be in the same film school and my friend's now an award winning documentary maker like a BAFTA winning documentary maker my other friend's an editor and we all knew we all said afterwards the, the documentary was shit and we all said afterwards we all knew exactly the same point literally it was the, the credit literally the typeface and the way it was set on the screen mm-hmm. and just the sound design as it came in all of us instinctively knew at that exact second that the film was going to be shit because my mate I, I knew my mate's standards were high mm. and it was my idea it was a thing it was a thing a documentary about rock climbing and the second that credit came up I was like oh fuck this is going to be shit it's like comic sands and it like floats up like it's a balloon yeah, no no it wasn't no it wasn't that it wasn't even that it was just <laughs> it was just that, that subtle thing and I think that's it with the, the, you just have that moment when you hear a vocal and you're you're just like ah they haven't got it or you hear something you're just like yeah they know they got it they got it I know this is only gonna get better yeah on Netflix I remember I watched there was a point where I was was watching kind of documentaries and I think sometimes people have this weird idea that like documentaries are inherently good without recognizing like like, there's still a craft that goes you know it's just like I watch documentaries as if like just because it's telling a real story it's a good thing and there can be shitty documentaries and I remember I watched this one about movie actors who um, what the fuck was it called I know that face or something where it's like they're actors you recognize from movies because they're in everything. Oh man, that's annoying. That's always an idea I'd had for a coffee table book. I wanted to do a book called Who's That Guy? And it's so poorly made. Like just, you know, really shitty sound, you know, like and and the font they used, exactly what you're saying. The second you saw (laughs) the font you're like, they did this fucking title sequence like in the editor. You can tell, you know, the difference (laughs) between like a title sequence that's done properly in like an actual uh, effects program versus the defaults you get when you're just editing in Final Cut and you'd fucking drag a title across the screen and use one of the presets. And the second you see that in a thing, you're like, oh no. One of the actors died, you know, after the production of the thing and they do like a little thing to, you know, just acknowledge so-and-so died whenever. I'm not getting this right, but but they literally used like comic book font and showed like a pause picture of him and almost like some little like like flashy like little yellow bar with like comic book font on it just be like so and so died and I was like what like it was like so like kind of disrespectful even like just how poorly done it was yeah. and so yeah man when the fucking production within seconds you're just like oh no this is fucking cheap that doesn't mean that it can't have like valuable content but it usually tells you something no. about the rest of the and I think sometimes you can kind of you know I'm using the analogy of film but we're talking about music I guess but I watched the other day I watched 
watched Valerian. Have you seen that? No. So it's quite good, and it's also quite shit. I mean, I like The Fifth Element a lot. Like that's. I, a, that's I, a, I, do you know what? I've only watched about half of that film. I've never actually properly seen the whole of it. And the moment I started watching Valerian, I was like, "This is really like Fifth Element." And apparently, Fifth Element was apparently best on wanting to make Valerian, but he didn't think the technology was up to scratch, so he ended up making the Fifth Element instead. Basically, Fifth Element is kind of him trying to do Valerian on a budget. Sure. But there was some, there's something about you know when you have something you're like it's not quite it's not great but there's something about it that's quite cool mm-hmm. and, you, and you get that again with music people will forgive poor production quality for an amazing song but they're less forgiving of amazing production but a bad song the shift in music making in the, lo- in the, in the last 10 years has been this massive emphasis on production over, over the actual content yeah so people are just kind of obsessed with the quality of the sound and the production and stuff like it's just a bit I don't know and then they lose the heart man yeah yeah <laughs> let's listen to a track this is uh, my favorite one we talked about it before I've probably played this song like a few times on the show already but I like it a lot and this is Runaway featuring SJ Bravo by Sunglasses Kid
Runaway by Sunglasses Kid featuring SJ Bravo. And I'm here with Sunglasses Kid right now. Uh, this is a great song. Thank you. I had never heard of SJ Bravo before this, but uh, he's got a nice voice and this is a, a lovely track. It was so random because I can't remember where I found him. On the street? I found him on the street. <laughs> it was an alley somewhere. and I found him online somehow. And, I, and then I started writing a track with him and discovered he was on Aztec Records. Right. That's the label that I'm on. <laughs> It's like, it's like, so the management over there is doing a real good job at sort of like connecting its talent, right? Like, <laughs> I was like, I'm on a small label, good Aztec. It's like, me too. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was SJ that that happened with. It happened with someone. But yeah, the lyrics are really, I'm pretty sure the lyrics are quite dark. Yes. There's something about death in there. It shows you how badly I <laughs> yeah, pay attention like, to There's something about the lyrics. Death. <laughs> there's something <laughs> about death. There's something about death in there. I just picture some guy like just pointing at like the corner of the room. That sounds like a line out of like some kind of like um, Game of Thrones. There's something about death out there. <laughs> anyway, well the well, the point is it's 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 good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah. It's an emotion emotional track, you know. The thing I I kept thinking was does this sound too much like um with or without you by U2? That was my which but that's kind of like a 1950s like you listen to any motown or 50s ballads they're all like so that's a kind of classic chord progression that it's like one of those kind of famous you know four chords is every song or something so i wanted to write something that had a slightly classic ballad feel to it and he did a very good job of making it sound more interesting than it was so that song in the hands of a different singer songwriter could have been a very boring thing so it is very much sj saving that from being quite a boring track i very much credit him as being the kind of thing that makes that song interesting if, if you do think it's interesting so with this one and i guess the rest of the songs on this album like mm. were, were all the titles after like you just hand them like untitled six and then they've sang lyrics and then you came, came up with the title or runaway sj wanted to call it if i can remember titties on a night train yeah yeah and i was like mm-hmm, let's park that <laughs> uh, that sounds like a song let's, par- let's park the night train let's yeah. park the night train <laughs> actually i'm having that now that i literally titties on a night train is going to be the next thing i make that just sounds like you know like when they when dvds first came out they had chapter titles <laughs> remember that 
<laughs> I just pictured exactly risky, the, yeah. business, risky business on DVD. Yeah. You know that, that that moment where he has sex with Rebecca de Mornay on the train. It'd be like, that scene would be like, chapter 23, titties <laughs> on the night train. <laughs> I'm taking that for sure. Honestly, look at set of doing nothing. I'll just go to Joe and say, let's write another song because nothing's happening <laughs> over there. on a night train. That's how it's going to be, man. Titties on a night train. We're going downtown tonight. No, but the thing is, like, because Adam, it's going to get him going. Because he was, like, he, jokingly upset with me when I made that other song with Joe. He's just like, you've taken our <laughs> our musician or whatever and gone and made a song. And I'm like, yeah, well, you're not doing anything. And so maybe if I just make more songs with Joe, it'll make Adam, like, get off his ass and actually, like, sing something. Fuck him. Yeah. Until they until they make some more music. Um, anyway. Yeah. The bottom line is that it's been it's been lovely to catch up with you. Thank you. We should, uh, we should do this more often i always enjoy chatting with you you too i will hopefully have a new album out at some point this year i'm trying to do a bunch of things with my life big boy stuff like buying a flat and moving and all that shit you know what's funny is i guess people have different metrics on what they define as like adult but it's weird that like i have two kids Mm -mm. so i'm essentially you know i'm like a father the family (laughs) yeah but yet i still consider adult stuff owning a house so when i have friends who own a house i go like oh they're grown-ups like i still don't feel like a grown-up because like they own a house you know meanwhile i'm like i've got a family with children it's (laughs) just like so i'm sure there's someone else who looks at me and goes like well that's a grown-up thing to be parents and stuff like this yeah it's crazy but then it's like the second someone talks about mortgages and i have that reaction with marriage as well like i'm i mean with my girlfriend for 13 14 years now it's mad we're not married and there's something about when people talk about like my wife and my family. Mm-hmm. The only reason I want to get married and, and own a house is just so I can then be Harrison Ford and be like, my wife, god damn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have, you have every right to do that now. You come into my home, my family, you threaten my family, <laughs> my house, my wife. <laughs> My wife. wife. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> My wife. Wife. There's an amazing. Have you seen Frantic? There's an amazing bit in that film where someone. Yeah, he just does it. She's like, "Who are you talking about?" And he goes, "My wife. God damn it." <laughs> It's the best best moment in the film. Only the other good moment is is he says, "Um, I'm in Paris." And the guy on the phone goes, uh, "How do you spell that?" And he goes, "With an S for shithead." <laughs> Only Harrison Ford can be that cool. I'm in a, ca- a cafe of the Paris Midi. Pa- Paris? How do you spell it? How do you... S- With an S for shithead! Maybe we should fucking uh, wrap do this up here. podcast about films. Yeah, well, we'll, uh, we'll do that next time. That can be like... Which, uh, is clearly, which is clearly the podcast that we actually want to be doing. Yes. Well- <laughs> Let's not talk about music or, or, or albums or anything. Let's talk about Harrison Ford movies. Well, there's some great ones, man. I, en- I enjoy Harrison Ford. He's a fun guy. I love all Harrison Ford films. He's great. He's great. <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> what a lovely sentiment to end on. Harrison Ford's good, everybody, just in case you uh, didn't know. <laughs> Tune in next week for more synthwave-related chat. Yeah. <laughs> Harrison Ford's amazing. Bye. <laughs> also, if you ever listen to this show, be prepared to not tune into synthwave-related chat on the next episode. <laughs> That's one of the things that does not happen here. But look, uh, it's nice to chat with you. Have a lovely Tune day. In next week. I Tune like- in next week. <laughs> Synthwave. <laughs> my family. <laughs> my wife. God damn it. My synthwave. God damn it. <laughs> 
Is there another track from the album that I didn't uh, play that you... Or I can play a classic Sunglasses Kid track. How about this? I'm going to go through my thing here and pick a classic Sunglasses Kid track that I like. And we'll, we'll end on that. Classic Sunglasses. What's a classic Sunglasses Kid song that I like? I'll tell you what, one that's classically massively overcompressed and and sounds awful but is a, still a classic is Summer Breakup with Dana Jean Phoenix, which I saw her perform live. Yeah, let's do that. Let's listen to this, man. This is uh, Summer Breakup by Sunglasses Kid featuring Dana Jean Phoenix.
was Summer Breakup by Sunglasses Kid featuring Dana Jean Phoenix. Yeah, I met her for the first time and she's very lovely. She came and played London in London. Mm-hmm. She had our track up her sleeve as an encore if people asked her to perform another one and uh, the audience spoke and she played. And it was really, really awkward because she said, <laughs> I turned on my camera phone because I was like, I'll just film her performing this, right? Mm-hmm. And something went wrong with my camera phone. I've never had this go wrong with my phone before. And I accidentally turned the, the flash on. Like, you know, when the torch turns on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And she goes, performing a song called Summer Breakup that I wrote with my good friend Sunglasses Kid, who's here in the audience. And everyone turns around. And they're like this middle aged man with a torch shining. <laughs> 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 it's so fucking embarrassing. Well, it's funny because like there was a little synth gathering like the other day that I was at with a, f- a bunch of sort of local Toronto artists, and uh, Dana was there, and Parallels, and and Haley Stewart, and and Michael Oakley, and and some other people, and uh, Chris, a dude who plays guitar, uh, he played with like FM eighty four, and the, whatever. Anyways, and uh, and this dude Oliver, I'm trying to now I feel bad if I'm forgetting someone. Mm. Uh, anyway, but uh, the point was because we were talking about that, and uh, and I thought uh, Dana must have looked really funny standing next to you. <laughs> Because of the height differential. When I walked into the room, she was sitting up on a, um, like a kind of flight crate. I was like, I might, I might not even see Dana. And I, I walk into the room and I turn right and she's just, she's just reclined up on this, like, um, box just above me. She's mm. like, hey. <laughs> so I got like a personal welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very lovely woman. And, uh, she rolls around with a, with a massive dude she calls Fat Owl. Yeah, that's right. Uh, who seemed like a cool dude as well. Yeah. I remember the first time, uh, when she came to, because she was the first, uh, artists I had like in person come to the house that was like season one before and so I remember like when she brought she brought Al over and I had him playing Grand Theft Auto uh, <laughs> while we recorded but I remember thinking like is it, this is probably her safety because like I'm not going to go to some like strange guy's house and record and this, and I'm is, like, this is the guy who will be punching you in the face yeah, yeah. if you turn out to be weird <laughs> but it turned out everyone was cool <laughs> And that's the end of that. Yeah. Listen, you have a lovely time. Uh, we'll talk again when you put out some more music. How about that? Let's do that. And we'll we'll try and be a bit more prompt next time. So maybe we'll be yes. talking to you again in like six months or something. Cool. Look forward to it. All right, man. Have a lovely British day. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And that was Sunglasses Kid. Uh, it's always fun to catch up with him and that's the end of the show for this week so thank you very much for tuning into the show tune in next time and uh, you know keep it real <laughs> yeah that's all uh, listen everyone's cool all right you guys are cool don't let the world get you down put on a smiley face and know that Andy thinks you're cool doesn't mean much because Andy's not so cool himself but uh I'm not talking about myself in the third person. I'm talking about a different Andy. I'm cool. Okay, I gotta go. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for Thanks for listening to Beyond Synth. If you would like to support Beyond Synth, please visit patreon.com forward slash beyond synth.
And don't forget to check out Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Instagram. If you want to submit your music for the show, please email it to beyondsynth at gmail.com. Have a lovely day.